a lot of quality in, you know, outside of outside of Portugal's big three, four Benfica to look at. Um, Natan Santos on Boavista, we mentioned yes. him as well. Uh, I think, I definitely think they need an upgrade. Before we move on, I, you, I, I know you mentioned before uh, Kennedy Boateng, Santa Clara's Ghanaian center back. Uh, yeah. Um, Kennedy has, uh, you know, started up in Ghana before moving to Austrian side. Last, Linz uh, spent some time at Austrian side SV Riyadh, but uh, joining Santa Clara last summer and uh, doing fairly well in the center of defense. Um, do, you, do you feel like he's, he's he, he has managed to fill that hole that, that Fabio Cardoso left when he went to Porto in the summer? Yes, uh, in a word. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, I was so impressed with him the other night. I actually thought he might get the Man of the Match award. If they hadn't lost, I think he would have. He was brilliant. Every ball that came into the area, he was there to head it away. He's comfortable on the ball. It's funny, I was looking up his... He's from Ghana, all right, but he has opted to play internationally for Togo. I think one of his parents is from Togo. And the Togolese are about to get a top-class defender, and he should be in there. I mean, I think he has been in a couple of squads, but he, or he's been called up, but he hasn't played a game yet. He's only 25, so he's still a, a, at the right age. Um, he was fantastic the other night. And I'm not just saying that because his first name is Irish in Kennedy. Um, he was brilliant. And I looked him up on the transfer market, and he was uh, valued at 450000 Now, if anybody signs him for 450000 they are going to get the bargain of the century because for me, he was just head and shoulders above the other, defend, the other defenders for uh, Santa Clara the other night. Now, maybe I just caught him on a good night. I have seen uh, highlights of games where he's uh, looked good as well, but yeah. he just, he, he was very, very good the other night. Um, and he's quick, great in the air, doesn't score enough goals maybe, but I mean, if you have a centre half who stops goals, that's what he's been paid for. Um, and he's definitely a name that I think people need to keep an eye on. And I would be so surprised if he doesn't end up at a bigger club. And that's with no disrespect to Santa Clara whatsoever. But I think he's good enough to be playing in a, in a sporting Porto Benfica team. Kennedy Boateng, 25 years of age. I'm interesting to see if he can form a uh, duo in the heart of Togo's defense with Jene Dekonan. Um Santa Clara, as you mentioned, they have a history of selling their top players, such as uh, Carlos Jr. and Fabio Cardoso, two bigger sides. So if he keeps it up, definitely only a matter of time before you know he follows uh, their footsteps as well. Uh, you Do you know who he reminded me of, Zach? Yeah. When I was watching him the other night, now obviously he's a bit older, but when I first saw uh, Ruben Diaz come in, yeah. and Ruben Diaz just had that touch of class about him, which obviously he's gone on to, to show at the, at the highest level. And right. Kennedy Boateng the other night, for me, just it, 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 it resonated. It kind of reminded me of a Ruben Diaz type um, defender. And so for sure, uh, I would be amazed if he's still playing for Santa Clara next season. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned, I think you mentioned, uh, you, you told your friend to bet on uh, Santa Clara, Benfica getting yeah. against Santa Clara. <laughs> that was actually one of my, I, I had three predictions going into this weekend's match. I thought 
Benfica were going to get a win because mainly because of those those absences. I think that a Santa Clara side with Lincoln and Crisan can beat Benfica. Um, and they're still just 10th in the table after that result. Yeah. Uh, my other two predictions, I had Sporting and Porto going. We'll, we'll obviously talk about that soon, but I had that going for a draw, a low-scoring draw, so kind of <laughs> like half right, half wrong. Um, my other prediction completely blew up in my face, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm man enough to admit it. Uh, Belenenc side. So, Belenenc side. Um, let's talk a little bit about this team because, uh, you know, just the previous match on, on Monday, on February 7th, going up against relegation rivals, Morerent, uh, and um, once again, losing a player due to suspension with a, with a red card, Alion Ndor, and losing 4 1 to Morenz, capped off by a bicycle kick from Derek Lacerda, if you haven't yet tuned in yeah. that. So um, I think that, you know, given Belenenc losing to one of the worst teams in the league in Morenz by a 4-1 scoreline, combined with Vitoria de Guimaraes going into this match on the back of a 2-1 win against Braga in the Derby Dominio, where they yeah. uh, survived as uh, uh, sending off themselves to win in, in the 90th minute from a goal from Nelson Daluge, you know, it definitely seemed like it, it was primed for Vitoria to get a result. But Belenenc Saad uh, taking the lead in just after halftime from Alison Safira and uh, ending up getting a crucial victory. Um, yeah. And I believe this is their only win... Apart from I'm trying to think, what what was their last win? Belenenc side. Um, it, it was a good while ago. They, I, they beat Aruka at the beginning yeah, of January. I think, yeah, I believe it. It, it was Aruka. Yeah, yeah. Belenenc side. They they have been kind of, uh, you know, they they've won. This is their second win since November. So yeah. they have been definitely a train wreck this season. Uh, but this is, without a doubt, a massive result for them. Uh, now just uh, five points away from Famalicó, who are 15th, and four points away from Morrens, who are in the relegation playoff spot. Um, I don't know if you got the chance to watch this match, but talk to me a little bit about Belenchad this season. You know, they are, shall we say, the, the most hated club in Portugal. Um <laughs> I don't know about you, but I like I have never seen in any league um, like fans of of the big teams, you know, like Benfica Sporting as well as just neutrals. Like they all seem to want Belenenc Saad to go down. You know, I can't remember like you know a, a season of the Premier League where like Chelsea fans, Liverpool fans, and United fans all bonding together to be like, yeah, we want Norwich to go down. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of a, an equivalent. I can't really find one to be honest. They're just they're just very hated. Um, yeah, I feel a little bit sorry for them. You know, I, I was doing the, um, the the game against Benfica earlier on in the season when um, they could only field. Uh, eight players and you know two goalkeepers uh, during that COVID situation. That that I still think that that was one of the most um, 
ridiculous decisions that I've ever seen that that match was allowed even start, you know, given the uh, circumstances that Belenenses had were in at the time. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, I think they will go down, by the way. Um, yeah. So most people will be happy. But yeah. I, I can't, <laughs> it's just, it, it's a funny, it's like a, the ground, obviously it's such a famous old traditional ground that they're playing in, but it's so open and, from a broadcaster's point of view, it's a very strange ground to be doing a commentary on because you've got that big open area on the far side where the fans come in and there's no stand on the far side. And if it's a wet night, everybody's getting drenched and it's a pretty grim looking place when it's only, you know, 20% full or less. Um, so I think a lot of people would be happy to see the, uh, see the back of them. But I mean, that, that result does give them some kind of a chance, you know, the win over Vittoria was a great three points. At that game also, by the way, I think will be remembered probably more for anything, for nothing more than uh, Ricardo Quaresma picking up uh, Afonso Sousa and, and carrying him off uh, before the end to, you know, Quaresma got a yellow card for that, but I think it was pretty funny at the same time. Um, but, you know, Safira, you, you talked about him notching that goal. That's five goals for him. And he could be a key man because every time he scored for them this season, they've either won or drawn. They haven't lost a match that he's scored in two wins and three draws in the five games where he scored. So it, it does give them a chance. But I, I don't, again, I just don't think they have it in them in, the, in that squad to, um, to stay up. Terrible result for Vittoria, though. I mean, that's three points that they will be absolutely kicking themselves um, because, you know, they stay on 30 now. Uh, they've been joined on 30 by Estoril. And they've got to prepare now for life after Marcus Edwards. And it's going to be interesting to see. But the fact that they're seven points behind Gipichent now in, in fifth, um, you know, if they'd won there, that would be down to four points and they'd be knocking on the door a bit. But that was a really bad defeat for them. I definitely think it does also speak to just how, you know, how close the rest of the teams outside the big three kind of are to each other, or uh, at least outside of the big five, shall we say. that That's including Braga and Gil Vicente right now. I, I yeah. think that, you know, if there was any team that could go from uh, snatching a last-minute victory against their rivals to losing to the worst team in the league right now, it would be Vitoria de Vitoria, they kept six clean sheets in the first two months of the season under their new manager, Peppa. They've kept just one clean sheet, clean sheet since then. A one nothing victory in the cup against third-tier Oliveira do Hospital. Mm. Um, and I think that there, you know, there's a lot of things to be skeptical of as a Vitoria supporter. I think that there is some quality, not world-class quality, but, but definitely some quality in attack with the likes of Hushinha, Bruno Duarte, Ruben Lameiras, Ricardo Quaresma, mm -hmm. uh, Nelson Deluge, obviously Marcus Edwards leaving for Sporting in January, but still some interesting options in midfield. You've got likes of Nicolas Jandier, Thomas Handel, Andre Almeida. But uh, I, I continue to think that defense is their biggest weakness. I mean, looking at this game, uh, it really yeah. was, I think it, it really was just one of those one of those games where, you know, one one mistake can sort of define an entire result. And I do think that it, it was more indication that, frankly, Vitoria need to upgrade their center back options, uh, potentially full back options as well. But I, I think yeah. that midfield, they're okay. Bruno Varela, I like him in goal. But Tony Borevkovic, you know, I remember when he left 
Kiwab in the summer and joined Vitoria. And there were some people who, who were talking about him like he was one of the best center backs outside of the big three. I honestly don't see it. Um, Me either. He's been, he's been a colossal disappointment, in my opinion. But uh, what do you think has been uh, – what do you think have been the, the biggest weaknesses for Vitoria? I mean, obviously, sixth place is not the worst result in the world, but seven points below – uh, Jill Vicente, who hold on to the coveted of fifth place. Um, for me, I mean, I, I, I think that's kind of an under, underwhelming yeah. result. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I do agree with you. And I, I, th- I, I also agree with you about Brevkovic. Every time I've seen him play, he's just a bit stiff. You know, he's a big guy at the back, but he's not that mobile. And I, I'm not a huge fan of his. I'm, and funnily enough, we were talking there about Kennedy Boateng he'd be the kind of player who would be a great signing for Vittoria. I, I, I think he could potentially play for a better team, uh, but it would still be the type of player that, that would add to that uh, Vittoria Grimanesh uh, defence. Absolutely. Um, they have quality going forward. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's some really good players, but I was just looking at their form away from home, you know, has been terrible this season. Really bad. I think in, in their last eight away matches, they've only won win. That was at uh, Passos ages ago. Um, so they're not doing it on the road. So maybe when you were talking about them going to Belenense Sad and, and winning, you know, when you looked at their form on the road, it probably didn't point towards um, a win. You know, it's, it's, it, that form away from home has been their Achilles heel because, you know, they still are sixth in the table. They've clocked up 30 points, so they're doing okay should be doing slightly better with that squad that they have. I mean, the likes of Rochinha and, um, I mean, Quaresma, I know he's kind of on the final lap now in a way, but what a phenomenal player he has been. And he still has those little moments of quality. He can do things still that some other players will never be able to do, you know? So although he's kind of uh, in the twilight of his career, he still has something to offer for them. I think up to the end of this season anyway. Um, But, if you were marking their card as a, a school report card, you'd say doing okay, but could do better, I think. Absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, could doing okay could definitely do better. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff to dislike about Portuguese football. One thing, though, that, that I do like a lot, though, um, is that, you know, you look at, like, the Premier League or La Liga You'll have some teams with 21 games played, other teams with 24, so on and so on. In the Primera, everybody has played 22 games right now. Um, Looking at the table, we've got Porto in first place with 60 points, Sporting six points behind them, Benfica four points behind Sporting, Uh, Braga nine points behind uh, Benfica, and four points, just four points, above Gil Vicente in fifth. Gil Vicente have a seven-point gap over uh, Vitoria for that covet Vitoria and Estoril for that coveted um, final European spot. Mm-hmm. Got Marichimo in eighth, doing very well under Vasco Siabra. Portimonense, you know, having kind of a mid-season slide. They are currently ninth with 27 points. Santa Clara, three points behind in tenth. Uh, Vizela just one point behind Santa Clara with 23. Decent result for them so far in their first season uh, back in the top flight. Boavista in 12th with, uh, with 21 points level with Passos de Cajera. 
Uh, Tondela with 20 points, just right, just one point below Passos and Boavista. Famalico hovering above the relegation zone with 20 points. And then we've got Morenense in the relegation playoff spot with 19 points from 22 games. And then in the bottom two, Aruka with 18 points, Belenenc Sad with 15. So, uh, you know, definitely a lot of uh, interesting um, league finishes so far with with 22 games played, still 12 games left, obviously, but uh, fairly tight. In, in the bottom, as, as usual, um, the distance from eight from bottom-placed Belenench Saad, for example, and 10th-placed Santacada is only nine points, right? Yeah. So it definitely tells you a lot about just how, 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 how clustered uh, the bottom half of the table is. Yeah, um, I mean, like that win for Famalicao this weekend yeah. uh, was such an important one for them in terms of position in the table like obviously it gets them onto 20 points but it got them out of the um the relegation zone and and again it just gave them a little confidence boost as well i suppose you know i mean five nil against mora range was uh convincing to say the least you know um my least favorite ground to commentate from by the way from alica the camera angle is very low and it's not a not a great view of the pitch when you're trying to kind of read the game. So, but that's uh, just my own little foible, but uh, great three points for them. And, you know, the players that they've brought in on loan, the um, Simon Banza with his nine goals on loan from Law and uh, Ivan Dolcek, who is on loan from Hydruk Split now, um, scoring on his debut. Um, they could be big players for them. And I, I know, I think, uh, was it on Twitter? You you mentioned um, Joao Carlos uh, Teixeira, um, making an impact as well. You know, he was made a goal, scored a goal. Um, he could be a big player for them in the last 12 matches of this season as well. But um, it's home form for Malikau has been good. You know, four unbeaten at home now, two wins, two draws. Um, and I think they might have enough uh, to, to be okay. Um, as I say, that result is a confidence booster for them. And they've matches to come now, I think, against uh, Maritimo, Tondela, Victoria, Santa Clara and Bizella. So they're, they're games that they will target and say we can get points out of that. You know, if we can get eight, nine, ten points maybe from that run of games, that could bring them up safely into mid-table and well away from the relegation zone. Famalicao, uh, with their second victory, just their second victory uh, since the final week of November, um, they had managed some decent, some impressive draws against likes of uh, Istoril, Braga, and Passos, and Daruka. Their only win up in, up until that point over over those uh, few months was against Belenenc Sad in a one nothing victory. Um, but this this result, I I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this is the best result of the season for Famalicao. Uh, Famalicao, who you know, as we mentioned, going into this game with on the back of a two nothing victory. Two nothing defeat to Sporting. Uh, sporting, you know, Sporting's bogey team has been Famalicao yeah. in the past, but they are starting to showcase some pretty impressive form against them. So, uh, Sporting taking that two nothing victory going into um, this match. Famalicao uh, going up against a Morenense side who, let's not forget, had had thrashed Morenense four to one um, in the previous match. Smalico, though, beating Morenense 
five nothing going yeah. into halftime with a four nothing uh, lead and and grabbing a uh, final goal in the second half from uh, a rival Ivan Dolchek. So um, you know, and it, definitely an interesting game from their perspective. Uh, and and we've seen new manager Rui Pedro Silva uh, once again going with that back three. Um, yeah. With, with Gustavo Asuncao, who had had left for Galatasaray in 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 summer in the summer and had kind of struggled for opportunities there before returning, um, yeah, I I, I want to talk about this kind of this new system, this new back three system. Um, full disclosure, I I have a good relationship with the people who are who are in charge of Famalicão. And I remember speaking to them about about this, I think, around October or November and saying, you know, you guys are leaking a lot of goals. Do you think mm-hmm. there's potential for you guys to switch to a back three? I think it might make a lot of sense. Um, obviously, just one game, just one win, just three points. But talk to me a little bit about this formational change. And overall, you know, what have you made of Malikau under new leadership? Can I just say, by the way, how impressed I am that you might be able to influence the outcome of this league by <laughs> <laughs> dictating tactics for from Alicao. But it it worked. I mean, it worked a treat against Motorens. Obviously, they're going to come up against um, a better attack than Motorens uh, in the the weeks to come. But um, Alex Benetra, Riccielli, who's been there for a long time, and uh, Alex uh, as a back three with Ivo um, Rodriguez and Adrian Marin on the, the the two wings on either side. Um, Alex picked up a fifty yellow card in this game, so he's going to miss um, their next game through suspension against Maritimo. So they're going to have to shuffle things a little bit. But um, they look very solid. It looked it, it worked really well, and Motorens hardly got a kick. Um, and, you know, it's a young back three. When you have Penetra 20, Riccielli 23, Alex 22, um, in terms of age profile, again, they're all they're young uh, guys that they have there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was good, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do now to replace Alex in the next match. Um, but I think, yeah, they they have had a, a, a poor enough season, really, for Malakau, but I I do think there is potential for them to to move up the table. Um, I, I think Banza, I haven't seen too much of him other than highlights this season, but every time I've seen him, he's looked really good. Um, so if he offers them goals at the other end of the pitch and they are starting to tighten up defensively, you know, that's a, a good equation. And I, w- I would be really surprised, actually, if Malakau are, are involved in the scrap at the bottom in a few weeks' time, I, I'd expect them maybe just to pull away and push towards mid-table. Yeah, which, as as we, you know, as let's not forget, Malikau did the exact same thing just a year ago under Ivo Vieira, found themselves at the bottom of the table, eventually were, were fighting for a European spot uh, yeah. at the end of the season. So there's a lot of quality in this squad. I think that um, you mentioned, I think Alex uh, suspended yeah. for the following match against Menichimo. Would probably expect Dylan Babutinska to slide in there. Although Thiago Queiroz, uh, like Gustavo Asuncao, has returned from his loan after struggling for opportunities at Real Valladolid. But I would expect Dylan to slide in there. And uh, going to be a very tough match for them going up against that attack of, you know, Ali Alipur, Joltego, mm-hmm. Rafik Gitan. We'll see what happens with that match. Uh, I just want to touch up on one last thing for this Malika Morenan side. 
because, um, you know, not too many new arrivals in the starting lineup. Gustavo Asunso obviously returned from his loan at Galatasaray and started in midfield. But uh, for me, the, 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 only, the only real uh, arrival uh, in the January window that started was Joao Carlos Teixeira. And I thought that, I honestly thought that Joao was uh, the best player on the pitch. This is a player who, you know, spent a lot of time at Braga and Sporting's academies, joined Liverpool at a young age, spent some time out on loan in some other English sides, then went to Porto, Braga, Vitoria de Guimaraes, had a spell in, in the Netherlands with Feyenoord, and now joining Famalicão in January. Um, I think this could be, you know, an interesting case of a, a really a really interesting move for them because it wasn't long ago that, that Joao Carlos Teixeira was kind of viewed as, a, you know, an up-and-coming wonder kid. Yeah. And now he's, he's a veteran at 29 years of age, um, playing in a very young Tamale Kao side. And I think that, you know, this could be, Finally, the, 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 the experience he needs, the moment he needs to, to kind of cement himself as, as the team star. Maybe, maybe even a bit like uh, Lucas Piazon just a few years back with Hugh Av. You know, yeah. I think there's a lot of potential here. Talk to me a little bit about this move. It's an interesting one. I think it's a good one for, uh, for Malikau. I mean, he brings so much experience to the table. Um, you're right. I mean, the, 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 I suppose European football is littered with players who were, you know, uh, called the next best thing since sliced bread when they emerged on the scene. And for one reason or another, whether it be injury or just being at the wrong club or the wrong manager, it didn't quite happen for them. And I think um, he kind of falls into that category. You know, um, he's never really fully settled anywhere, I don't think. Um, and even when he went to Holland, um, you know, it, it it was a bit lukewarm at Feyenoord for him. It didn't go that well. But this is an opportunity for him now to really, as you say, at 29 years of age now, he's, he's you know, reaching probably the uh, kind of the peak of his career in a way, age-wise, maybe 27, 28, 29. So he's, he's still got a couple of good years left in him. And he could um, be a very important player for, for Malikau. Um He made that goal for Marine the other night. Beautiful bit of play down the right-hand side. Perfect cross for Manning to finish and then he took his own goal um, brilliantly as well so if he can chip in with a few goals uh, and he's being you know creative it could be sort of big fish in a small pond situation for him there you know whereas previously he was um, you know surrounded by big names and just it didn't happen for him for whatever reason um, so I'd love to see him have a successful time at Famalicão. I think he might you know I think it is it's a good club um, and it's a chance to sort of establish himself as a, you know, a, a major figure at a club, um, and he can do that. And if he if he plays a big part in keeping them in the division and stuff, again, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on. It's job done. You know, that's that would be. They're not expecting him to to win leagues for them, um, but if he can score goals and keep them mid table, then he's done his job perfectly. You know. Absolutely. It is very, you know, jam packed in the middle, in, in, in the middle and the bottom. Um, But one team that is sort of pulling away in the race for European football alongside the big three and Braga is Gil Vicente. Uh, Gil Vicente currently fifth in the league with 37 points 
Vittorio and, and, and Destorio, on the other hand, just have 30 points. Uh, if you haven't yet, I definitely recommend you to listen to last week's episode of the Cortellinas podcast, where I spoke to Jill Descent fan Denis Tomei um, and really got a, a great view of what Ricardo Suarez is doing uh, in Barcelos. Uh, this, uh, unlike the Fumalicao game, this was a very um, close, close match mm-hmm. between Gil Vicente and newly promoted side Vizela. Vizela, who had 19 shots in comparison to Gil Vicente's six, three shots on target compared to Gil Vicente's three, um, and yet were forced to, uh, well, were, were forced to, uh, settle for zero points as they lost one nothing to Jill uh, Vizela conceding a penalty in the 27th minute via Alex Mendez. Uh, Alex Mendez, 21 years of age, talked about him before on the show. Uh, born in Los Angeles, and I believe is eligible to play for uh, either the U.S. or Mexico. He's he's played for the U.S. at the youth level. Um, and I, I think he's done very well in recent weeks, but definitely needs to work on on that side of things. You know, the, the, the discipline, the defensive side of things, and I think as well the physicality because he is still fairly kind of a small uh, player. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I, there's a lot more to come from Alex. I think that he'll bounce back from that. Um, and, but Jill Vicente, yeah, escaping with a three points, three much-needed points, wasn't easy, wasn't pretty, but they did it pre- via a penalty goal from Fran Navarro. Talk to me a little bit about these two teams. Uh, I think that both both can be both fans, both sets of fans can be very happy with how their teams are are doing right now. Yeah, um, Vizela, funnily enough, are the one team that I haven't done a match uh, so far this season. So I haven't seen a full game. I've only seen highlights of their games. Um, but they had okay form going into that match, you know, two wins and a draw uh, before they faced as uh, Vicente. And as you say, they gave them a right old match. Um, Vicente, Fran Navarro, who, who got that penalty, has been phenomenal for them this season. Seven matches unbeaten for them now, five wins and two draws, including that game away to Benfica. But his goals, you know, 12 and 21 appearances for a player who, again, wasn't maybe quite setting the world on fire. You know, he was with Valencia's, B team in the third tier in Spain. He had one season in Lochran in Belgium where he got, you know, one goal in 12 matches. So, you know, he wasn't um, creating too many headlines in Belgium. And suddenly something has clicked for him at Gilles And I've watched them a few times this season now. And he's been really impressive. Um, so he has been, I mean, we were talking earlier on about Vasco Seabra. What about the job that Ricardo Suarez is doing at uh, Gilles Vicente? I mean, un believable they have been so consistent they're playing a really attractive football as well like they're a good team to watch anytime I, I see a match that they're involved in it's always an entertaining game um they I, I think you picked out Pedrinho a couple of weeks ago uh, for the work that he was doing and in the game that they played against Benfica that I did he was fantastic in that match you know his passing uh, the little balls in for the strikers to run onto the likes of uh, Samuel Lino and, and Navarro were were brilliant. I think he, I, I, I actually forget now, but I think he made two goals in that match for Gilles Vicente. Um, so he's been, and he's tenacious as well. You know, he kind of reminds me, I don't know if you remember um, 
Ray Houghton, who was an Irish international who played with uh, Liverpool in the past. And, and when I look at Pedrinho, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Ray Houghton. And that's a big compliment, by the way. Um, the other one I like uh, with Jubicent is the goalkeeper that they brought in, the young Slovenian lad, uh, Ziga Freli. Every time I've seen him, he looks like a confident goalkeeper. And I always think for the defence, if they know that they've got a decent keeper behind them, it, it gives them a little bit of extra confidence as well. So um, they've got a lovely mix. Jubicent, you know, Ruben Fernandes at the back, 35 years of age, he's still going strong. And, and Lucas Cunha... Uh, alongside him, they make a good pair. I've mentioned earlier on in the podcast that uh, Zay Carlos, every time I've seen him this season, he's really impressed me as well. Um, so they've got a lot of things going for them. And certainly when you look at their points tally already, 37 points from 22 matches, that's super. And, and I think um, Suarez deserves so much credit. He's, I also like his demeanour on the sideline. Like he's, You don't see too many histrionics from him. He's a pretty cool, calm guy most of the time, uh, Ricardo Suarez. So, yeah, I mean, Givicent, it's, it's wouldn't it be great for them to get into Europe? I'd love it. And it's, it's a distinct possibility now. Is, is Ricardo manager of the year for you right now? I think at this point he would be, yeah, given the job that he has done with them, yeah. Um, now, there's a long way to go yet, so, you know, things could change. But he would be up there. I mean, if Porto win the league, which they, you know, could very well do, then Conceição would have to be in the contention as well. But yeah, Suarez would be would be a, a huge contender, if not the the leader at the moment. Absolutely, and and another reason why we have you on, Con, because you are a true student of Portuguese football. You love this league, <laughs> and you are a real fountain of knowledge when it comes to this league. Uh, nothing gets past you. Uh, little trivia for you. Who, who is who is the lowest scoring team in the league right now? Uh Sad. Okay. Who are the second uh, lowest scoring team? Uh, second lowest scoring team could be. Sad is pretty obvious. Let's not let's not get it. Yeah, I mean they've only scored fourteen goals or something this season. Yeah. I haven't. I genuinely don't have the table in front of me. Okay. So I'm going to take a shot at uh, the second lowest scoring team in the league would be Aruka. Aruka uh, currently, uh, they are third, okay? But third not third. Aruka. Pick again. Uh, is it somebody very obvious? Eh, I mean, maybe not. <laughs> I, okay, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I've, got, I've got all day. I've got all day. Come oh, do you know who? Do you know who I bet you it is? Who? And and because they've they've really struggled to score this season. I'm I'm not sure, but I would go with Passos de Ferreira. There you go, Passos de Ferreira. It's them. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There you go. I I tried to trip you up. Was only able to get so far. A semi stumble, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> Passos de Ferreira. Let's talk about this because it was just. Yeah. A few months ago that we were talking about this team, you know, in the same light as Gilby Set right now, right? Mm. They were kind of the, that small team that does everything right, that has, you know, you know, I've got a great manager in Peppa, some really impressive young players like Steven Lustakio and Luther Singh. Now, uh, they are the second lowest scoring team in the league with 16 goals scored, Belenenshad of 14 Aruka have 19, 
Um, and Pasta is currently 13th in the league. Um, just uh, they are only two points ahead of Morenz, who are in the relegation mm. playoff spot, and three points ahead of Aruca. Pasos, uh, 16 goals scored. Should be mentioned, just 26 goals conceded, which um, I That's believe- why they're not in the bottom exactly. two or three, I suppose, yeah. Exactly, yeah. but 16 goals scored. I mean, that's, that's a very... It's a very weird tally for a team you don't expect to be you know as poor obviously it should be mentioned with regards to Passos they did lose Steven Ustakio star Canadian midfielder in the January transfer window they lost Douglas Tanke who I believe was their uh who was their top scorer last season and so two very important players uh that helped them get back into Europe uh leaving um Passos nevertheless I thought had a very impressive start to their match against Braga um, and taking the lead just before halftime via a goal from Vitorino Antunes. Um, Braga going down to 10 men in the 70th minute uh, from Andre Orta just a few minutes uh, after his brother, Ricardo Orta, equalized for them. Uh, Ricardo Orta once again coming in clutch and scoring a winner in the 90th minute. Um, you know, it, it was just a few months ago that Atlanta United put in one of those uh, irresistible offers for Ricardo Horta. Seemed like he would go to MLS, and Braga even accepted it, only for Ricardo himself to reject the offer. Mm. He really, you know, I, I'm not sure if there's a single team uh, in Portugal that, like, I, I identify as closely with one player as Braga with Ricardo Horta. I mean, he really is the heart and soul of this Braga team, is he not? I'm glad he didn't go, by the way, because if anybody hasn't seen the highlights of the game against Pascal Steele the night, his first goal, the free kick, um, is probably as good a free kick as I've seen in Portugal this season. Uh, in fairness, there were two great free kicks in this game because Antunes, uh, his free was was beautifully curled into the uh, corner of the net as well. But Ricardo Hortas was miles out and he just bashed it into the top corner. Brilliant free kick. Great, absolutely brilliant goal. And then the, um, the winner right at the end. Um, so I'm glad he stayed. And, you know, he's played a big part for Braga this season. Um, 13 goals um, for them already this campaign. Um, they're four ahead of Gilles Bichent, so they're kind of looking over their shoulder and, and you know, Gilles Bichent are keeping the pressure on them. And that was an important winner for uh, Braga the other night. Um, again, I, I love looking at matches at Braga because I just think that stadium with the rock face behind the goal is is so unique and brilliant I, I really love it um, so but from Har- Har- Ricardo Horta's point of view um, he's playing as well as he's probably ever played and at 27 years of age he's still got so much to offer so I'm so glad that he didn't go off to, to take the big bucks in America um, you know he can still play an important part for Braga in this season and into Europe next you'd imagine <laughs> 